This is WBEW LP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also streaming live online at WBEW.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. On the air, Sundays at noon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and the guests and not the radio station. My name is Kelly and I teach uh, third grade in Massachusetts. And this is Becca. I am an educator in Springfield, Vermont. And And we are both graduates at the Spark Teacher Education Institute. Yes. So today we are going to be looking at the Northampton teachers, uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, that is. So the Northampton teachers um, work to rule action has been going on since the end of May after the teachers refused to accept the contract offered to them by the school council. The primary disputes about the contract have been over wage increase for cost of living and language in the contract that puts more work on teachers and affects their sick time. Northampton teacher salaries are 19th to the bottom out of over 300 school districts in Massachusetts. We're also going to be talking later on in the show about what are the possibilities that we imagine for unions, specifically teachers unions, and what are some lessons or what are the ways in which those teacher unions across the country right now are building power and fighting for dignity and justice for all of our students and communities. So Kelly, can you just give us a little bit of context about the work to rule actions in Northampton? Yeah, so I'll just say um, I've been working in the Northampton Public Schools for the last year. And the Northampton Public Schools, um, due to the state funding formula, are not funded adequately. The state funding formula funds schools based on their size, and Northampton is considered a city in spite of the fact that it's not really a city and doesn't have the um, taxes and income that a city with bigger industry would have. Um, So the rest of the funding for the schools are made up by the town. So it's a combination of both state and town funding. So this year, uh, during the budget talks that the school council was doing, there were several public meetings, school council meetings. And at this point, teachers, um, teachers in Northampton have been paid less than the surrounding districts for years and years and years. And this was the year that teachers were like, it was a contract signing year, and they said, we're done and we need to have a cost of living raise and be paid fairly. And so there were several school council meetings where there were literally hours of public comments where teachers and community members were standing up and saying, this is the work we do, and this is what we need to do to survive, whether it's working multiple jobs or um, not being even be able to live in Northampton because they can't afford it, even though they're a teacher there. And so what had happened is that the school council had written many new positions into the budget. Northampton teachers know that the schools are understaffed. We don't have adequate teachers and support staff to support the needs of our students. Um, special ed needs, social emotional needs, and academic needs. And the proposed positions added that were many new positions were kind of being framed as this is what the schools need and it was proposed as being a choice between having adequately staffed schools or fairly paying the teachers 
And it's not that the teachers were actually given a choice between those two things, but those two things were kind of pitted against each other. Mm -hmm. But the teachers overwhelmingly said that you need to take care of the employees you have before you start hiring new people, in spite of the fact that we know we don't have enough adults in the building to support our students and their needs. So when the school council approved the budget, the teachers found that unacceptable and the contract that was proposed was unacceptable. And so in May, the um, teachers union voted to go to work to rule, which is uh, essentially a tactic where employees only do exactly what they're contractually obligated to do and nothing outside of that. I just imagine, Kelly, as a teacher, um, what the school would crumble if teachers only did contract what they're contractually supposed to do. I think even for me, it like made me realize the amount of volunteer hours I put in Mm. that I don't get paid for. Yeah. So we walk into the building in the minute that we're contractually obligated to, which is five minutes before our students walk in and walk out five minutes after our students leave. Um, And during those times where Many of us would be working in our classrooms, maybe meeting with other teachers or meeting with parents. We're out on the street picketing and showing the town what's happening and talking to people from the town and talking to parents. And it's a way to demonstrate how much time we put in that is not paid and to raise awareness in the town about teacher salaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the teachers are all out there teaching when they're not in the classroom, right? That's like one of the most... Um, important lessons that their students can get is my teachers standing up not only for themselves but for me that's That's right so powerful and our students see us out there and so we're not allowed to speak about the action in our classrooms to our students but can you speak about it on the streets yeah so we can Mm -hmm. speak about it to them when we're not on school grounds Um, and definitely a lot of kids pass by and they ask about it and I know that children are talking to their families about it because they'll come into the classroom and say stuff to me like the teachers are out there because they're not getting paid enough Um, and it's like you're right we are teaching our students that we can come together and work for something better absolutely So, Kelly, you pulled together some really powerful voices from the streets, from those teachers and from the community members. So anything else you want to say before we jump into those interviews? No, let's go to some of these interviews. So the first three interviews we have are um, with some representatives from the teachers union. Let me just say really quick before that is that the Northampton Union is not just teachers. It's NACE, so it's Northampton Association of School Employees. It includes everybody, including cafeteria workers and custodians um, and paraprofessionals and teachers. Thanks. Yeah. So we're going to play a couple interviews in a row and then come back for a discussion. Um, I'm Jean Flegenheimer, and I'm a building delegate at Bridge Street School. And um, work to rule is kind of our form of striking. It's illegal for teachers to strike. Um, so work to rule is a way to stand out and say this: what, they're, what the administration is offering us is unacceptable. So it's letting the public and the administration know that this is not okay and that we're going to protest it. Um, so we still do the things that are essential for our jobs, but... Um, That's all we do. So if we're still on work to rule by the fall, they're really going to feel the impact of 
what we normally do for free, but we normally put in lots and lots of extra hours for free, and work to roll means right now we're not willing to do that. So can you talk about why you're standing out here? Yeah, so the administration, the city of Northampton, has been paying school employees incredibly badly for a really long time. And our firefighters and police, which who are predominantly male, have been getting raises so that their pay is competitive with the rest of the state. But they have guilt-tripped school employees into accepting nothing year after year after year um, because we are always willing to take one for the team and to give... Um, the extra to the students, but the result is that we have a huge gap between what Northampton school employees are being paid and what um, people across the state are getting paid. We're paid um, 19th from the bottom for all school districts in Massachusetts and absolute last for comparably sized districts. Um, And that's because we've been too nice for too long. And that's partly because as women we're conditioned to do that. And it's partly because the city just continues to devalue us. And there are school employees that are getting paid less than minimum wage because there's an exemption for cities to pay people less than minimum wage. And one of the reasons we can't get substitute teachers is because we pay them less than minimum wage. And it's just fundamentally disrespectful and we're tired of being disrespected you talked about it a little bit but can you say a little bit more about the history of the district and the town in terms of contracts and salaries and teachers yeah well they have always had a reason why they can't pay us this year or this contract and we've bought it for too long but we've gotten less than the cost of living increases for every, almost every contract in the 16 years I've been in Northampton teaching. And like I said before, the result is that what we get paid is vastly below what all the other districts in the um, state get paid. Um, what was the other part of the question? Just about the history of the teachers and um, salaries and also work to rule in the past or actions in the past. Yeah, so they're always um, using education as a way to raise money. So there's been a lot of overrides to override the two and a half percent limit on property taxes. And they always say that it's for education, but it never goes to pay school employees. And there's always budget cuts and there's always tight budgets um, and those are always used as a justification for why they can't pay school employees a reasonable rate and we have put up with it for way too long there was a work to rule once when I first started about 16 years ago and there hasn't been one since we've been too good too nice too um, we'll just work this out and that's why we've gotten to this position where it's time to say enough and everybody is angry enough at the discrepancy between the way we're treated and the way other districts are treated that we're not going to put up with it anymore. Uh, So our next interview is with Andrea Agito. She is the head of the teachers chapter of the Northampton Association of School Employees. And can you give us an update about what negotiations have been like? Well, it's, it's been really challenging just because it, it, it takes a very long time. Currently, we are in mediation because the school committee came back um, probably in the beginning of June and said that, you know, we were at an impasse. They said, we're, we're not increasing the, 
you know, the monetary offer at all or the financial package for any of the units. You know, they, basically they give us a take-it-or-leave-it stance. And when you're in negotiations, once that happens, the the next step is to um, hire a mediator that will um, basically negotiate with you and go back and forth to – so instead of sitting in the room together and having a conversation, um, the – you know, each party goes into a separate room and the mediator goes between each room bringing, you know, what she said, he said, basically back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so that's the process we're in right now. Um, our, we had two, we've had two mediation sessions. Our next one is scheduled for July 30th and, um, which unfortunately was a really long time from the last one, which was June 12th. And so, but they were not available. Basically, was what was what was told. We were told, and so we're gonna, you know, meet in the middle of the summer. And um, our last sessions were over six hours long, and basically waiting for them to formulate an offer, and then for the mediator to bring it back, and you know, so on. So um, we are trying to be hopeful and keep a positive outlook for our next session, but it's it's pretty hard because. Um, you know, through the negotiations, it's it's not, you know, it's always, you know, we don't have enough money and pointing the figure at, you know, the finger at the state for not having adequate funding and all of that, which is true. Um, you know, the, the state doesn't adequately fund local school districts. Um, but, however, I think we're in a position right now that what we're asking for is not that much. We started out asking for 6%. We've come down to 3%. Um, and, you know, last year the cost of living was 2.9% nationally, and we yeah. know that the Northeast has a higher cost of living. So, yeah. um, you know, the the fact that we're just asking for 3% right now is really not unreasonable, and yeah. it's it's hard to hear. You know, there's never any money to pay the employees. So my name is Sadie Cora. I'm the president of NACE. And I'm Heather Brown, the vice president of NACE. And uh, we, so the the members of the Northampton Association of School Employees, which is the union that represents teachers, administrators, ESPs, clerical workers, cafeteria workers, and custodians in the Northampton Public Schools, as well as teachers and administrators at Smith Vocational. Um, we are currently in work-to-rule status um, because of lack of progress in our nego negotiations with the Northampton School Committee. At our last bargaining session, um, the school committee refused to counter our previous offer, and as a result of that, we had to declare an impasse, and today we're going to mediation. So. We're in work to rule to basically highlight the amount of work that employees do outside of their contract, the amount of time that employees work for free, um, and kind of the way that the system kind of relies on employees working for free. Most of the time, we love to do it. We love our jobs. We love our schools. We're committed to our jobs. Um, but right now, we need to be standing outside at the times that we would normally be working outside of our contract to raise awareness in the community um, about the fact that our salaries are are so low and about the fact that the school committee won't move off of um, their language proposals, which are really restrictive and don't, restrict, don't respect the professionalism of the workers in the schools. 
Yeah, I would say also that some of the effects of work to rule, um, it really has boosted. It's a hard thing for us to do um, because we have lots of work that needs to get done, especially at the end of the year in our classrooms. But it's boosted our camaraderie and support for each other. And also, you know, looking at the turnout here, the community really gets behind us when they realize uh, how much work we do for free and when they realize that our city has been treating us poorly for decades in our contract negotiations. Yeah, well, can you guys just say what your um, analysis is or your thoughts are about why Northampton teachers have such a low salary in compar- comparatively to other towns? I'm not sure that I have a clear analysis. I think that the kind of the the way that negotiations have gone in the past is that the school committee would offer a pot of money and kind of say, okay, you know, you figure out how you're going to divide it up between the six units. And the pot of money never really grew. Um, and, and right now, sort of looking around Northampton and seeing like how beautiful the city looks and all of the new initiatives and all of the new revenue that we see evidence of just as we drive through the city um, that right now it seems like there probably is the revenue to start closing the gap and if the city doesn't close the gap then then it's going to continue to grow and it's going to become harder and harder for Northampton to attract and retain um, really really good educators good teachers. I was thinking, you know, the school system here has a really good reputation, as you know, and I think it's been, you know, on the backs of the school employees for decades where we are committed and dedicated workers and we do what we need to do to make the schools excellent. And they're, they, you know, they were been figuring we're getting a good deal. We work these people to death and don't pay them a lot. That's a bargain for them. But we're, you know, seeing uh, comparative rates around the around the state, and we're seeing lots of our lots of our honored colleagues leave, and it is not working for the school system anymore. The other thing that changed this time was that uh, we it was really important to us as the leaders of NACE to make sure that bargaining was open to all members of NACE. And so our members have been able to come to bargaining and see what's happening in bargaining and kind of witness the dynamic. And also um, our members have really been informing themselves and informing the public about the status of negotiations and about the things, you know, about our platform and the things that we're advocating for, which is uh, competitive fair wages for all workers, a living wage for all workers, and respectful contract language that that sort of um, uh, underlines and values our professionalism and commitment to our jobs. And so the fact that people are able to come and watch has really resulted in us um, in, in a lot of awareness raising and consciousness raising for people to know for the first time that that the salaries are not competitive, which I think a lot of people in the community maybe weren't fully aware of prior to this. No, that's the comment I receive most from community members. I'm so surprised to see when you look at the comparative salaries. I can't believe Northampton pays such a low wage to all its employees. They're surprised. And can you just talk, like, what do you know about the history of Northampton bargaining with the teachers? I'm a retired teacher, yeah. Well, I've been teaching here for 21 years, and in the beginning of my career here, our union was um, separate, so teachers bargained their own contract, and cafeteria workers bargained their own contract, and it was very uh, separate. 
and it kind of pitted the unions against each other, competing for that small pot of money. And when we decided to join together, um, we realized that it becomes more powerful when you do that and that you can try to work together and demand more. It didn't always work for us. <laughs> um, what we've been fighting for for the past few contracts was to raise up um, the wages of the lowest paid employees. And so the teachers and some of the higher paid employees have been foregoing uh, any kind of increases for at least you know six to 10 years. So you're listening to Indigo Radio, and you just heard the voices of some representatives from the Northampton Association for School Employees. It was at a teacher standout. You may have heard some street noise. Um, So also joining us in the studio is Josh. Hi, everyone. And um, he's going to be part of of our discussion about uh, the Northampton teacher standouts and unions. So I feel like listening to those interviews, I hear a lot of common themes. Absolutely. I, you know, one thing that I was thinking about is that there's this idea of scarcity with public money yeah. and, and in general, that there's like not enough to go around. And I think it was very well stated that there is money being spent on all sorts of beautification projects, um, but it's not being spent in schools and on education. So that's something that I see throughout Vermont as well. Well, What I see a lot of too is the privatization of schools in Massachusetts. I think back to the uh, Massachusetts Education Reform Act of 1993, this sort of grand bargaining um, enabled by then Governor Bill Weld and, um, and others. And what it did to schools in the state was to establish these pathways to privatizing our schools. Um, It started mostly with the foundation budget, I would say, which assured a fair and adequate minimum per student funding for public schools in the Commonwealth. And along with it also established uh, charter schools and 22 schools that first year in 1993 opened up after this legislation. You and I talked a little bit about this 1993 legislation, and one of the things you, like two of the things you mentioned were the Common Core and charter schools. And I was wondering if you can more explicitly make the connection between how paving the way for the Common Core and charter schools is a road toward privatizing education. Sure. Well, the state also that year with this legislation established a state curriculum framework to aid with the Common Core, and. The Common Core really, at, it, at its heart, um, requires a privatization of materials to be sold to schools so that they can teach these tests and how to pass these tests. Um, and part of that is tied to uh, district performance and accountability. So really, with this Common Core enabled, it allowed private interests to begin t- diverting public funds away from the schools. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think about all the um, curriculum that the schools that I've worked at have purchased in order to meet the Common Core standards. And that uh, curriculum is being written and sold to schools by private corporations that is aligned with Common Core standards, but it is a way for people to make money off of that. Right, and it's not just the students' learning that's uh, at risk here. Also, part of this legislation uh, required that teachers pass certification tests. And 
while we do want to make sure that our teachers are certified to be able to teach, um, the issue becomes that this MTEL test is uh, owned by Pearson's Educational, um, which is a mass media for education, private resources. And so along with this, our teachers are at risk too for this privatization of their labor. And it's essentially making a private corporation the gatekeeper to becoming a teacher. Absolutely, yeah. Um, can you just say- Can I say one thing yeah, before you yeah. move on? It, uh, this is something that's been coming up for me a lot in thinking about this show is uh, Spark Teacher Education Institute took a delegation to Oaxaca, Mexico a couple of years ago to meet with teachers there. And one of the things that they said is if you teachers don't fight the forces that are being placed or that are being that are infiltrating your schools, I guess, then it comes right down to us in Mexico. And Pearson was the example that they gave. They said, fight it, keep it up there, keep it in the north and defeat it in the north so that it doesn't come down to us. Yeah. Um, can you just say um, a little bit about what you found about since the 1993 legislation? How has that affected or encouraged the growth of charter schools in Massachusetts? Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I found, too, that sort of enabled the charter schools to work because a charter school operates where it pulls students um, not just from a city, but also neighboring cities as well at times. And this was enabled by um, previous law that enacted for school choice in the state, which allowed students to go out of district. But since the passing of the 1993 legislation, uh, that initial year, 22 schools opened up as public charter schools. And since now, um, there are 82 operating in the state um, with uh, 1,852 public schools operating currently, too. Yeah, and I just want to say one quick thing about the funding for charter schools is that the cities know that charter schools are siphoning off money disproportionately that could be going to public schools. This is a quote from the city of Northampton proposed um, 2020 budget document. It says, we are still waiting for funding of charter school tuition mitigation as per the law that created charters. We are still waiting for larger reforms to the flawed charter school funding model that continues to drain a disproportionate amount of education funding away from local districts to educate a small subset of students at schools that are not representative of the communities they draw from. Mm -hmm. And when I think about privatizing education, it is very effective to pull public funds away from public programs to say, hey, look, those public programs, they're crumbling. They don't really work. What we need is we need to privatize this and for businesses to come in and take this over. You know, and I was thinking about that. I was up at um, Northfield Mount Hermon for a conference the other day, and that's a school choice for Vernon students who would take I believe, and I'm not sure if I'm right about the number, $18,000 from the public education system going into a totally private school as part of school choice. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're like literally subsidizing the private schools, not yep. the public charter schools, the private schools. Yep. Um, let's go to a couple more teacher interviews. So um, we're going to listen to um, two interviews with Northampton public teachers and then an interview with a parent of kids in the Northampton public schools. The first interview is with Laura, who's a kindergarten teacher at Bridge Street. I'm out here standing with the union and supporting work to rule because I think our 
unions are a really important organization to support teachers and ultimately to support students and their families. Um, while people in this community are, are very respectful of teachers and their sort of day-to-day -day interactions, I think it's really important to think about um, to think about the salaries that teachers need in order to live in this community and also the salaries they need to support themselves as time goes on. And um, recently I was living in an apartment um, in Northampton and we had a young child and when it came time to buy our first house, we weren't able to afford Northampton and we moved to East Hampton. Um, we love our yard there and our sweet home, but it would be really nice to participate and live in the community in which we teach. I also think it's really important for people to see teaching as significant work and to value it. And I think it's important to support teachers throughout their career and to remember that they'll face hardships like illness and that kind of a thing and that they need to be prepared for retirement. So I think it's really important that school districts support teachers financially. My name is Michelle Bernhard and I'm here because I'm an English teacher at Northampton High School. And um, we are standing out uh, for work to rule for a new contract. Um, it's very important. <laughs> we got a good group going by. But it's very important for us to be here to show support, especially for the people in our union who work in the schools who are not teachers, who do not work for a salary, but work for less than minimum wage and have abbreviated hours um, so that it's really difficult for them to make a full living. Um, they have to have second and third jobs. Even the teaching staff, a lot of people have to have jobs on the weekends. Um, one of my colleagues, he works at um, a package store on the weekends, all weekends long. And I know one guy who works at Yankee Candle in the factory part um, in order to pay the bills. And it's really important that we place value on our public education because this is the cornerstone of our democracy. This is where all walks of life come together, uh, you know, be it various races or nationalities or socioeconomic class. And our union, um, our union represents not only teachers, but also ESPs, educational support personnel, um, who are on an hourly wage, uh, cafeteria workers, custodians, um, the secretaries, I think I may be leaving a few people out, the school nurse, and minor uh, administrators. So we're actually helping the custodians try to get fair wages because uh, their hourly wage is not even a minimum wage um, and the cafeteria workers um, and it's important that we have each other's back and our, our, our school council and our city council has been trying to divide us they, give, they gave the custodians something that they wanted about sick time but they wouldn't give us what we wanted and um, and vice versa, and we did not cave, um, nor did the custodians. So it's really important. You know, everyone in the school system is valuable. And if we're going to value public education, we're going to have to value the people in the buildings um, because those are the people, that's, that's what makes our education system great, are the people in the buildings. 
Nicole Roach. Um, I have three kids in school. I have two um, first graders who are going into second grade at Bridge Street, and then I have a kid going into seventh grade at JFK. And I'm out here because the teachers do so much work in the schools. They support our kids, they educate our kids, they protect our kids. Um, and that goes for teachers and nurses and counselors and everyone in our public school system. And I think that um, I'm excited and supportive that they're rallying together and bringing their fight for fair wages to the city because I think Northampton prides itself on being a really progressive city where we treat everybody equally and, um, you know, the most vulnerable voices are heard. But I think when it comes to any fight that involves workers or unions, our progressive city really falls apart, um, where school leadership and our city leadership are just ignoring the voices of a predominantly female group of workers. Uh, and I think that's really problematic. And these teachers have been underpaid for years and years and years. And I don't know how we expect to maintain the most um, talented and um, committed teachers and nurses and counselors if we are not paying them what they deserve. So that's why I'm out here. Uh, welcome back. This is Indigo Radio. You just heard three interviews um, with teachers and parents from um, Northampton, Massachusetts. I I just have to say, whenever I hear about unions that include all staff in schools except administration, it just, I get so excited because in my school, we're divided into three separate unions. We have the support staff, we have the teachers, and then we have um, custodial staff, you know, and then they fit everyone else into one of those three categories, um, which means that our collective power is divided in three. And you can see the way that the board, the school board does not treat teachers very well, but they treat our support staff even worse. So they're in negotiations still over like a six cent raise. It's absurd what they won't give. And I'm, I just imagine like, it's so inspiring to hear about Northampton that that's not even a question on their plate. It's like, we see ourselves as connected, all of us who work in this school building, and we're gonna struggle with each other to make sure that no one, um, yeah, to make sure that we all kind of rise up together. And that it was a choice made to oppose those divide and conquer tactics. Mm -hmm. I have to say that one thing that really struck me is the um, the parent that we interviewed, which was the last interview, saying Northampton is so progressive when it comes to some of these other issues. And um, Northampton is known as being a very LGBT-friendly town. Issues about identity and rights and choice. Um, but then as soon as it comes to worker struggles, the town falls down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very common within progressive circles in this country. The fact that um, I'm going to struggle for the areas that maybe I, I think are I can win. Or like we don't really want to dig under the surface of why is this all happening. You know? And it doesn't cost the town anything to support LGBTQ people. Mm. Um but then when it comes to worker struggles and putting more money in the pockets of workers, it would affect, for example, projects like what Sadie was talking about, beautification projects around the town that are in the hopes of drawing tourists and increasing revenue for businesses. And yet teachers can't even afford to live in Northampton. 
And let's just be clear that worker struggle is an LGBTQ struggle, right? Yes. And so it's we're going to the core of like what is keeping people down. And it is the system that benefits a few people while leaving the rest of the people just struggling for pieces of the pie. And, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but I really hope that one day unions can see ourselves as not just fighting for a bigger piece of the pie, but really dismantling the whole pie. And the system that makes it so workers are constantly having to fight for livable wages. Mm -hmm. So do you all have anything else you want to share before we go to our song break? Let's go to a song. Okay. This is our favorite Rebel Diaz, Chicago (laughs) teacher. They were here in Brattleboro at the Brooks Memorial Library for the Spark Teacher Education Institute's annual Education for Liberation Conference. Their first concert at a library. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here we go. Chicago teacher. Yeah. Feel this from the bottom of my heart, y'all. Truly inspired. Here we go. Come on. Look. Y'all. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. The teachers are tired, the students dumbfounded, the budgets get cut, so classes are overcrowded. Streets full of violence, the blue coat is silence So I'ma keep rhyming till salaries start rising The unions are rising, taken to the streets The workers are united, so the mayor's got beef Rhymes a fake pretender with a corporate agenda Neoliberal offender, of course you offend us This ain't about money, that's far from the truth They want better work conditions to teach the youth Politicians, I don't trust them, it's all in the name The president, the mayor, all want political gain They'd rather put the kids in jail, shackle them with chains and provide an education that challenges the brain. Top-down education, Chicago the birthplace. Now it's spreading nationwide all over the place. They don't teach us how to think, they teach us how to test. They teach us how to work to put money in their checks. The CEOs need to get up out the classroom before these streets get hotter than the sand in Cancun. So join the picket line like Mr. Pickett in his prime. Put on your red shirt like the Bulls in 95. Hit the streets with a sign They say I'm fighting for mine It's a fork in the road And you gotta choose a side And yes, I'm proud to say I was a public school student It was public school teachers That first taught me music And yes, I'm proud to say I was a public school student A public school teacher First taught me music Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. Went to Lil' Lincoln School in a little school bus, desegregation. Pay 20 cents for lunch, reduced price ticket for the lower income children, art and music classes in between math and English. Now it's different, they just teaching to the test. Forced by the feds, all they losing that check. Too many children left behind by this corporate assembly line. How they privatize? Education is a human right, and their kids gonna be fine. They send them to private schools, while ours get sent to prison or given a job serving fast food. Cash rules, so it gets treated. 
treated like a business, bought and sold by businessmen turned politicians. So when Prom was the chief of staff, and Arnie Duncan got his start in Chicago selling off the education system, then Obama gotta respond. The teachers or the corporations, which side is he on? The streets is getting hot, they blame the heat on Chief Keith, but it's a million others like him being created every week. If we don't teach, we don't learn, and the streets is gonna burn before it gets worse. I put on my red shirt, cause homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight for my Chicago teachers. Yeah, ha. Bateman Elementary, where Illinois went. Lincoln School. Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM, Brattleboro Community Radio Station. We are talking today about Northampton's uh, work to rule action by teachers. And now we're going to transition to what unions can look like. Um, Kelly, why don't we start with what have uh, the Northampton teachers gained out of their actions so far? Yeah, so I really see the Northampton teachers have gained so much out of this work to rule action in spite of the fact that we still haven't finished negotiations and we still aren't accepting the contract that the city's offering us. Um, And I mean, one of the things, and I think it was mentioned in one of the interviews, is that the teachers have gained this camaraderie and power. And in spite of the fact that this action is really challenging for teachers because we do spend so much time working in our classrooms outside of our contracted hours, that um, it's been really energizing to be standing out there with each other every single day and getting a ton of support from the community. And also that our kids see us fighting for our working conditions and are seeing that teachers can come together and fight fight back against something that they see as unfair. And so I think that we're going to launch into talking about how like this energizing act, action that has made us more active and more together as a union, like what is the potential for unions and how can that lead to expanding this action? So um, I've been thinking about this a lot because I am stepping into a role of co-president as part of the Springfields Teachers Association. And for me, that means that we can really take a hard look at our unions today and what do we envision for the future. And I'm really um, operating on the basis that teachers are at the forefront of struggles in our society. We see firsthand the intimate lives of our children and, and families and the ways that the system um, works against them and keeps them down. But often the dominant thoughts in this society are also in teachers' heads. And so sometimes that leads us to ignore um, what's actually really happening. Um, And we really need to look at the savage inequalities in our schools and in our society that are based on class and race and gender and focus our attention um, on how do teachers kind of um, insert themselves into these struggles because we are a part of it. And I really do believe that unions at this point in history are the vehicle in which teachers can build unity and strength and really fight for a collective, have a collective voice in the world that we wish to see. And so in order to do that, 
like we must move beyond the struggle for around negotiations only. And that is like the center of our struggle right now in Springfield. And so I keep on thinking of how, how do we, we don't need to change, but how do we expand from that? How do we really build and how do we really have the union be something that's fighting for the schools that our students deserve? Yeah. And I'm just thinking just like the Northampton Association of School Employees has recognized that um, having separate unions for custodial staff and cafeteria workers and teachers and support staff is really divisive. Like, how can we keep going even further and saying um, that it might be divisive to see our towns, our surrounding towns is so separate? And how can we band together as educators to see what is happening in Springfield? What is happening in Holyoke that we think is unacceptable? And how can we be together on this in fighting for justice for all people not just um in our own town but around us yeah just gonna say i think i have a lot of like there's a lot of examples in this world right now that connect to what you're saying can you talk a little bit about what teachers unions across the country are doing to build power and fight for justice yeah i mean i think about these cities or states that i'm gonna name right baltimore seattle la chicago west virginia denver philly boston St. Paul, Oklahoma, Arizona, all of these teachers and beyond have been on strike in the last two years. And so we hear about the strikes, right? And it's like very inspiring, but little is known about the organizing and the work that built the capacity for teachers to go on strike. Mm. So all of these, te- all of these unions in these places that I just named have something in common. They have been connected and a part of a movement called United Caucuses of Rank and File Educators. And so this is the idea that how do we start um, building the power within our unions and seeing the fight of teachers as really um, the struggles of our communities. For example, in Philadelphia and Seattle, their um, caucuses of rank and file educators, which are forming within large cities union structures to kind of be a caucus that's trying to um, educate and bring more of the um, struggle of the community and the students into what we what we see as a union struggle and so they have organized black lives matters actions the philly um, teachers union actually i was just at a conference where i was talking with them they have organized now something that is national a week of action for black lives matters and that came from the unions i think also like some of the other really inspiring examples are uh in saint paul they started a campaign for this struggle for um the schools that our students deserve so they went out and talked to community members and parents and said what would you like to see on the negotiation tables for this year you know, and that's what in West Virginia, did, they did the same. And that has really in L.A., they did the same, too, you know. And so um, part of what the L.A. teachers, when they went on strike, they were seeking to bargain for the common good, which meant that part of their um, along with what we typically see as union issues of pay and um, health care, they also were talking about class size. They also were talking about the supports in the schools that students need. And they were talking about piloting and funding community schools 
in which parents, students, and teachers determine the curriculum and activities to meet the needs of the community. And so what, I'm just curious, the difference between a community school and a charter school, how is that not privatizing education? Um, Because I think that it would be just under public structure. I don't know exactly. I know that this is what the community is asking. And Mm -hmm. often charter schools in and of themselves just mean that money is coming like that it's not part of the formal public school structure in which the state is dictating everything that you do in my understanding yeah um and so i don't think that every charter school individually is a bad thing but the movement of charter schools taking away public funds is what i'm opposed to so i think what they're trying to do in la and i would need to talk to someone more in la but what i imagine is that um community school could just be your public school but it means that the kids from that community are going to that school and they're not being bussed around and they're not being you know it's not school choice where you're trying to get into the arts programs of one school versus the sports of another school and for me the thought of having teachers deciding the activities in schools is a really important step towards the schools our students deserve Yeah, I think like one of the things I find really inspiring about teachers unions that are um, part of the rank and file movement is that they're really coming out of a history of unions being co-opted and their power being taken away by employers. Mm -hmm. There was a time in the beginning of the 20th century where unions were extremely powerful and they weren't like signing contracts and they weren't um going to mediation sessions with employers they were deciding together exactly the conditions they were willing to work under the things they were willing to do Um, i'm thinking about like the lowell mill girls primarily female workforce who in the strikes um of 18 i think 34 and 36 they came together and they said this is exactly what we want we're going to strike until we get it and um you know They weren't saying, well, how are we going to compromise and how are we going to mediate and how are we going to negotiate? They were like, this is what we want and we're going to strike until we get it. And in 36, they did. They were successful in having their demands met. Um, But after this labor movements got so powerful, that was threatening to the employers because it um, cuts into their profits. And so they kind of co-opted unions and took unions into um well you know there are contracts and we need to bargain and we get need to negotiate and it weakened the power of unions and it made it just about negotiating wages and not um a larger struggle Mm -hmm. yeah and it's interesting because um as we're in a moment where union especially teachers unions are really building power i mean like what happened in West Virginia, they went, and people don't really know that they went on strike twice in one year. Um, I didn't even know yeah. that. <laughs> and um, the one was against legislation. And that's kind of unheard of a lot in teachers unions to really fight against a legislation that's trying to be passed statewide. But that legislation was in order to kind of build up the charter movement in West Virginia or initiated, I'm not sure. And teachers came out in mass saying, no way and then they saw their commonality with other state workers and that's what's so particularly uh powerful about west virginia 
And now the teachers are organizing against the opioid crisis in wow. West Virginia with their state workers, you know? Um, but we are up against insurmountable power by the state as well. And one of those real threats to unions is the Janus decision that was just passed by the Supreme Court last summer, um, which basically is um, a way to dismantle the power of unions. Because a lot of people don't know that a teacher is protected by the union, whether they're a member of the union or not. Right. So they, the union will fight for them. The union, like, um, is on the very basic level working to ensure that they have health care and that they have decent working hours and that they are being paid enough to feed their families. So it, in the past, if someone wasn't part of a union they were still paying an agency fee, which meant that they were giving not the full amount, they were giving a partial amount of the dues that they would pay if they were a union member because they are protected legally by the union, whether they're a member or not. And what the Janus decision said is that you don't have to do that anymore. No one has to pay fees, yet they're still protected by the union. So in Springfield, we, had, we have teachers who are dropping out of the union. And so the challenge for our time now is how are we really connecting to people and how are we really organizing power and how are we helping people believe that what we've been told is impossible is actually possible and I think the Northampton teachers are on that path right now I mean when you hear I, w I haven't been on the streets with them but I could feel the energy on the streets you know and that's the first step to us really building power to fight for the schools that our students deserve yeah, and I think that when we started this action, um, I mean, I will admit that I was included in these feelings that, like, work to rule is so hard as a teacher because you truly need to be in your classroom and be setting up and be making materials, and there's so many things that you do outside of your contracted hours, um, but that people have really seen how um, it creates a political space for people to come together and even at the very least, like update each other about what's going on and get to know each other better and ha be able to have these conversations. So uh, I haven't seen work to rule um, wearing the teachers down. I feel like it's been, um, the energy has been, if not just sustained, it also um, has grown. Mm -hmm. So we are just about out of time. I'm not sure... Josh or Kelly, if you have anything to add before we go to our final song. Thank you guys for having me on today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, let's go to unions. And then we'll go out with a song, the Almanac Singers Talking Union. This has been Indigo Radio. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want higher wages, let me tell you what to do. You got to talk to the workers in the shop with you. You got to build you a union, got to make it strong. But if you all stick together, boys, it won't be long. You get shorter hours, better working conditions, vacations with pay, take a kid to the seashore. It ain't quite this simple, so I better explain just why you got to ride on the union train. Cause if you wait for the boss to raise your pay, we'll all be awaiting till judgment day. We'll all be buried. Gone to heaven. St. Peter will be the straw boss then. 
Now you know you're underpaid, but the boss says you ain't. He speeds up the work till you're about to faint. You may be down and out, but you ain't beaten. You can pass out a leaflet and call a meeting. Talk it over. Speak your mind. Decide to do something about it. Of course, the boss may persuade some poor damn fool to go to your meeting and act like a stool, but you can always tell a stool, though, that's a fact. He's got a yaller streak running down his back. He doesn't have to stool. He'll always get along on what he takes out of blind men's cups. You got a union now and you're sitting pretty. Put some of the boys on the steering committee. The boss won't listen when one guy squawks, but he's got to listen when the union talks. He'd better be mighty lonely. Everybody decide to walk out on him. Suppose they're working you so hard it's just outrageous And they're paying you all starvation wages You go to the boss and the boss would yell Before I raise your pay I'd see you all in hell Well he's puffing a big cigar feeling mighty slick Cause he thinks he's got your union lick Well he looks out the window and what does he see But a thousand pickets and they all agree he's a bastard Unfair Slave driver Betty beats his wife Now, boys, you come to the hardest time. The boss will try to bust your picket line. He'll call out the police, the National Guard. They'll tell you it's a crime to have a union card. They'll raid your meeting. They'll hit you on the head. They'll call every one of you a damn red unpatriotic. Japanese spies. Sabotaging national defense. But out at Ford, here's what they found, and out at Vultee, here's what they found, and out at Alice Chalmers, here's what they found, and down at Bethlehem, here's what they found, that if you don't let red baiting break you up, and if you don't let stool pigeons break you up, and if you don't let vigilantes break you up, and if you don't let race hatred break you up, you'll win. What I mean, take it easy, but take it. I'll send on a car. It's your favorite song, followed by your other favorite song, followed by your new favorite song.